Welcome to Counterbalance Conversations, the program that enables and encourages you to make the changes you need to make a true difference in our world. Your host is Dr. Melissa L. Strasser. Our hope is that by hearing from people who have stood out and made a positive change in their community, their lives, and their world, you'll feel the need to do the same. Now, here is Dr. Melissa L. Strasser. Hello, and welcome to Counterbalance Conversations. I'm Dr. Melissa L. Strasser, and this week we are going to be talking with Blythe Landry. She is a duly mastered LCSW and MSW and an M, a master's in education with 20 years of experience in helping people around the world recover from trauma, grief, and addictions. She is also a certified grief recovery method specialist a death midwife, and a creator of trauma intelligence training. Her passion is serving those who are seemingly insurmountable, insurmountable pain and guiding them to find healing and hope. While Blythe believes that the experience of hurt is universal reality, she does not treat any two people or organizations exactly the same. She connects with each client and corporation individually and offers tailored recovery and training interventions based on unique needs and goals. Blythe's belief is that nobody's story is too painful to be heard or healed, even yours. She lives in New Mexico with her two superstar senior rescue pups, Nick and Sam. And thank you so much for joining us, Blythe. Um, Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Melissa. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. I am, I'm really excited because I did um, attend your training, several trainings with you last uh, fall during the pandemic when you were doing everything virtually. The first one was the five pillars of resilience, which was fantastic. And then I went on in November to take your trauma intelligence training, which is kind of the basis for our conversation today. And that kind of informed your broader work, which is one of the reasons I wanted to interview you today, is because you're, you've got this new fantastic book coming out. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So the name of the book is Trauma Intelligence, The Art of Helping in a World Filled with Pain. And actually, the book began with a little bit of trauma of my own, which was that my sister unexpectedly passed away a little over a year ago. And a friend of mine had this intuitive notion that perhaps I should consider writing a book about all this knowledge I have around trauma during that same time. And so the inspiration of losing my sister and knowing that there was so much she had to offer that she didn't get the opportunity to share really inspired me to just start writing. Right. And as I started writing, everything that I have learned from my amazing clients, as well as developed on my own and from all my years of study related to trauma, came out. And so the result of that is a book that, as I said in the title, it's Trauma Intelligence, the Art of Helping in a World Filled with Pain. And so it's really for anyone and everyone who either has experienced trauma and or who wants to understand people they love and care about who have experienced trauma. And so it's really designed as, a, as an informational. I go through the five major types of trauma that I've identified. I give 
a chapter on each one with anecdotes and examples of how those things happen. And then there's a follow-up chapter on the ways that this type of trauma frequently is exhibited in one's life and then recommended accommodations for people in their lives that they work with, that they live with, that they love, that can make their lives and the lives of those who love people with trauma easier. So, and so that's, that's really how it began and that's how it evolved. That, that is fantastic. I really admire how you took your experience and took what, you know, was something that was so personal to you and made it accessible to the rest of us. That was at the time that I went through your, your training, I was actually just processing going through a major Cat 5 hurricane here in Panama City, as, as well as all of the individuals um, around me were experiencing trauma. And I had uh, had some experience with trauma. I think you and I had talked about, of, you know, having somebody in my life that had severe PTSD. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't really understand understand it until I had some level of it, obviously. And when I went through your training, I saw all the different steps and uh, was really, what was really helpful for me was all the steps, the eight steps that you outlined in the training, but being a safe person. Mm. The safe person concept was something that was never really brought to my attention. It wasn't something that was readily accessible to me as a a lay person. So can you talk a little bit about what it means to be a safe person? Because I think we're seeing that, we're needing that a lot right now. Absolutely. And the number one thing that anyone and everyone needs to do to be a safe person, first and foremost, is deal with their own stuff. Okay. I can remember decades ago when, you know, you know, my stuff was still very tender and and rooted in pain in a lot of situations. And so I have made a conscious effort. It's my biggest goal in life is to be someone who is safe. Mm-hmm. And I, I have identified some things that make a person safe, right? Consistency. Yes. When we live with trauma, we grow up with inconsistent parent figures or a natural disaster, or there's abuse in the home, or there's ignoring us in the home. We don't uh, get set up to know what it feels like to be consistent and to receive consistency, right? right. And so... What I've worked on with clients and in my life is to be emotionally consistent. We all have moods. We all have uh, days where we're not our best selves, right? Right. But if you can look at yourself and say 80% of the time, remember we talked about 80%, 20%, 80% of the time, the people around me know who they're getting, what they're getting, and how they're going to get it, then I can identify myself as a safe person. And if you're hearing this and you're like, oh, no, I'm not emotionally consistent. I'm not, you know, a safe person yet. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. And I think that that's very important to identify. It doesn't mean you're bad or you're mean or you're cruel. It means that maybe you have some work to do. And if you want the people around you to feel loved, supported, safe, secure, then it is important to heal whatever is keeping you from that. Because usually if we're not consistent, it has to do with our inside hurts, our inside stuff that is not really about the people around us anyway, right? Right, right. The other other thing you have to do to be safe is people need to know what to expect of you in terms of boundaries, 
and in terms of um, what you can and cannot give. We as people, especially as women, are taught that boundaries make us mean, right? Right. But one of the things I always do with new clients is let them know what I can give, what I can't, and exactly what to expect. Okay. And so that sets a person up for success in any kind of relationship, whether it's a friendship, a partnership, a working relationship, a therapeutic relationship. Then I'm not over-promising and trying to be perfect and an amazing giver, and then I'm resentful, and then I lash out, and then I hurt the person. And that's that's an important thing. So knowing what you can and cannot give and being consistent in those boundaries as well. And the third thing is you must, you must, you must be willing to say you're sorry when you make a mistake. I really do think that for many of us, myself included, especially given that I had grown up with quite a bit of criticism, um, is that saying we're sorry can be harder than telling people we love and care about them because it requires great vulnerability and humility. And so you have to be able to correct yourself. And then the fourth thing is you can't just say you're sorry. You have to be willing to correct the behavior over a period of time. And so those are the things, consistency, boundaries, the willingness and capability to admit when you're wrong. And there's a difference between apologizing for your existence, which I know with my trauma is something that I struggle with, and that is not a good apology. An apology means I made a mistake and I should rectify that and acknowledge that it was me, not the other party. And the fourth is you must be willing then to correct the behavior. You can't just keep saying you're sorry and not correct the behavior over a period of time. So hopefully that answers your question. Yes. I mean, that is fantastic because I think those are things that uh, individuals are struggling with right now with the pandemic because everyone has been home a lot more and probably had some challenges with their relationships at home and at work. And maybe they're not feeling as safe in one of those environments or they know that there are certain people they go to, but they don't know exactly why. But maybe subconsciously those individuals are safe people because they do provide those four things or they some level of and it creates a level of trust for them. And so I don't think that that's something that's really talked about enough as far as going back into the workplace or even handling being in uh, being back home with or being at home consistently for a year with a lot of your, um, maybe it's your spouse or your kids or, you know, even being a parent or a partner, Mm -hmm. both of those things are, are probably a little challenging right now being at home consistently. And so now that we're going back into the workplace, I think there's a lot of that, that, um, a lot of that safe conversation that needs to happen. Absolutely. And, you know, for some people being home has been safe. For some people being home has been very unsafe. For people who I have quite a few people, friends uh, that are extroverts, and it's been traumatic for them to not be able to hug and you know, see and spend quality time with the people that they love, even if they're with their families for a true, true extrovert, that's not enough. They need all their people. Um, And uh, for people who are more introverted, I, you know, um, I did a training with Google Help on trauma intelligence. 
And, you know, th that organization is going to be going back into the office. And I think some of the introverts are probably very, very, very stressed about having to go back into an environment that is bustling and in engaging, whereas other people at that same organization are probably thrilled to get out of the house. And some of that has to do with our personality. Some of that has to do with how we deal with relationships in life. And some of that has to do with trauma. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And have you found with your clients um, that a lot of their having this time at home and having this, I don't want to say downtime because that wasn't, as we just said, was not always downtime for everyone, <laughs> but the individuals that it was downtime even though they were working, but they were working from home. So they weren't having the commute and the run with the kids and do all the things. And they were being able to sit with themselves. Did you find that you had kind of an uptick in some of your client relationships or uh, individuals that some of their uh, trauma that had been pushed down actually started surfacing during this time? Sure. So the interesting thing is, um, if we look at anxiety related to trauma, my clients who suffer with severe anxiety actually felt almost vindicated in some way and during this experience because they started to realize that other people were finally understanding how they felt. Because now yes. we have a whole population of people with probably anxiety disorders that didn't have them before. Okay. And then, you know, some people absolutely slowing down has increased our self-reflection. Hopefully it has. If there's any indication of growth in us as a, as a society, hopefully we have slowed down enough to learn about ourselves a little bit more. And certainly that's going to bring trauma up to the surface, right? right. Because trauma cannot be healed in darkness. It cannot be healed in secrecy. And what we do when we're, especially childhood survivors of things like horrible things like sexual abuse and physical abuse and mental abuse and neglect, is we learn to dissociate and we learn to, to live in secrecy, right? right? From even ourselves. And so one of the things that happens, and it happened during the pandemic and it's happening as we continue to move forward and try to figure out this new world, is that people are coming out of those dissociations, those darknesses, those crevices of their their minds where they've hidden things. And you might notice if you have someone in your life or yourself even having an uptick of negative behaviors. Um, you know, we have a, a, a way of being and we know our system and we know what our schedule looks like and we have control or seeming control over our environment. We can keep that stuff in bay, at bay. But when we start to lose control through situations like world events, right? and lose control of where we can go. Maybe we lose our jobs. Maybe we have a stress in finances. Maybe we lose friends over it because of differences of opinion, all kinds of things. Then we start to see those things coming out. And that's when it's really, really crucial to not engage with unsafe people. If you're dealing with that mm -hmm. sign of like, like, you know, um, what are, like a tide of trauma coming out of you. Right. The other thing to remember, though, is people with trauma tend to gravitate towards unsafe people. Okay. And so, and what does that know, tend to look like? Tends to look a lot like, of times. Yeah, it tends to look like whatever your trauma is, that is familiar. 
you know? And so to be very mindful of how you feel physically in a person's presence, how you feel energetically in a person's presence, um, and how you feel in terms of, you know, your, your own self in those interactions, you know? So if, if you are wondering if, if the other thing about this that can be really confusing is sometimes with people with trauma, safe people feel unsafe. Yeah. So it's very complicated and there's no one answer for every person. But I would say that in your mind, in your intuition, deep down, you know who's safe in your life and who is not. And I don't mean perfect and I don't mean flawless and I don't mean they never have bad days or never make mistakes. I mean that consistently and persistently, if you go inside yourself, you know that they care and you know that they're trying to do right by you in the best ways that they can. Yes. And that can be anyone from a coworker to a friend to a family member to even parents. Absolutely. The closest people to to you. To a therapist. Not all therapists are safe. Right. So that's one thing that you did bring up in the training that you recommend that you ask if you're starting to work with a therapist or you're working with somebody who is your counselor, ask who they're, if they're in counseling themselves or therapy themselves. Absolutely. Um, to see if they're, you know, so because they are listening to everyone's stuff all day. So there has to be some level of growth that happens from them in a different way. And some, I, I want to, I don't want to say offloading, but I'm lacking the word there. Um because they are listening to everyone's um, challenges. It's so and they're being a safe person. Maybe. It's so much deeper than that, Melissa. Okay. You look at people in helping professions. A lot of us grew up with pain. And a lot of us learned to be helpers as a function, even of self-avoidance in some ways. And so it is crucial that, that term, the wounded healer, The wounded healer is only effective in so much that they heal themselves. There are a lot of mental health professionals that do not work on themselves that will use the, you know, the office, the proverbial office as a safe space to be the rescuer, the needed one, the person that everyone relies on and not really looking within at what they need to be working on in terms of being a safe person. So it's so much deeper than just, yes, sure, we listen, but we need to be consistent with our clients. We need to be emotionally available to our clients. Just because you're sitting in a space with someone doesn't make you safe. It doesn't make you emotionally available. It doesn't make you empathetic. You can't teach empathy. So that's what I mean. You should never, ever hire anyone that isn't getting help for themselves. And if they flinch when you ask, that's not a good sign. <laughs> okay. Um, so what, um, we've got about five minutes until we take our first break on the first half hour. So um, could you tell me a little bit about what trauma kind of feels like or looks like? Uh, I don't want to say the brain, I'm not talking about the brain chemistry and all of that. Just, you know, if yeah. you're, if you're looking at somebody and you're saying, and they're talking to you and you're like, oh, this is obviously trauma. It seems intuitive that you would know what trauma okay. is, but let's Let me give you talk a, about okay. it. 
I'm just going to give you a whole bunch of examples before we run out of time, okay? It feels like heart pain. It feels like nausea. It feels like digestive duress. It feels like panic. It feels like being dubious of someone who's kind to you because the kind people you loved hurt you. It feels like allowing abuse and running from goodness. It feels like physical aches in your body. It feels like crying. It feels like rage. It feels like sabotaging everything good in your life and then thinking, nobody loves me, but I pushed everyone away. It feels like uh, fear. It feels like anxiety. It feels like um, guttural desire for someone to care about you, but not knowing how to let them in. Is that a good explanation? That is perfect. That is absolutely perfect. And I know that a lot of our listeners can feel that on a daily basis and they're not understanding where it's coming from. So with, um, as we go, would you agree that as a society and globally, we've kind of gone through a collective trauma oh, with the pandemic? Yeah, would you define it? The, yeah, a collective trauma is an event that affects either a community or an entire environment of people in similar ways that they may respond to differently than each other. So um, there's an entire chapter on the book on collective trauma. Um, Other types of collective trauma, you know, can be communal, can be neighborhood. It can be an entire sports team being killed in a plane crash. And that entire community has collectively experienced that trauma, right? The thing about this collective trauma that we're in right now with the pandemic is what human beings want is to identify one feeling that they can relate to another feeling to feel safe in their feeling. You know this from your master's in education, your doctorate in education. That's how we learn. None of us have experienced this. We have no idea what it feels like. We don't have words for it. So this is a collective trauma that we've all experienced that we can all relate to, but depending on our socioeconomic status, depending on our geographic status, and depending on our prehistory of existing trauma, we can respond to it in different ways. Yes. And is this something that you feel could be something that brings our societies together if it's if it's properly addressed and talked about it? Um, I would love after the break to talk about what happened with uh, Simone Biles today at the Olympics when she basically said, I, I need I'm having a mental a bad mental health day. I would love to talk about that after our break. Because I, I see it coming, it's becoming, uh, it's talked about, it's becoming mainstream, which we know uh, that we are are ready for, um, for that shift to happen. And we're starting to have those conversations. Absolutely. And, and, and someone being able to take that risk speaks volumes about where we're going as a society. However, there's still a lot more to be done. Um, Perfect. Depending on the response to that. Yeah. So let's talk about that after the break. And um, so we'll be going to break in about 30 seconds and we'll come back and we'll talk about uh, this and go deeper into your book and talk a little bit about some other things you want to do and some tips. You got it. And the last thing I'll say about collective trauma is it can bring people closer together, which is the one indicator that's very different from the other types of trauma, which tend to make people isolate. Fantastic. Yeah. And I think we're going off to break. And yeah. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Counterbalance Conversations with Dr. Melissa L. Strasser. Find out more about Dr. Melissa by visiting DrMelissaLStrasser.com. Now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. If you're just joining us, we are with Blythe Landry, and we are talking with her about trauma intelligence and her new book and mental health in uh, our society <laughs> now. Um, thanks for our first great half of the show, Blythe. Um, but right before we went to break, we started talking about how mental health is coming to the forefront and has yeah. become such a topic of conversation, even with Simone Biles today at the Olympics saying, I can't today. I am going to take a mental health day because I have to do what's good for me, no matter what those consequences. And that is a huge um, statement in that level of visibility to say, you know, I'm going to put my mental health above everything. It's impressive. It's brave. And my hope would be that people come out in full-fledged advocacy and support. Uh, The fear would be that many will and many will just attack. And that's the risk we take when we're a trailblazer in life. Um, yes. And I would say that someone coming out in the middle of an event where they're being, you know, supposedly dependent on and everything to choose themselves is a revolutionary act. And to say what's true is a revolutionary act. You know, um, with the Michael Phelps coming out, you know, and saying years ago that he was suicidal at some point in his life. And people have this illusion that if you have stuff that you feel good, 
Mm -hmm. that if you're good at things, you feel good. I don't know um, either of these person's backgrounds and they may or may not have any trauma in their backgrounds. However, it is a trauma response to be good at everything as well. Yes. A lot of your most successful people have so much imposter syndrome, so much anxiety and so much shame and insecurity, you know, that they're hiding behind. So, yes, but coming out in terms of mental health is brave and it's also very dangerous emotionally and scary. So I'm hoping that the responses are more positive than not. And I do, too. I I think it's very brave of her. And I saw that just before we came on air couple of hours before we came Mm -hmm. on air. And I was like, this has to be part of this conversation tonight because it is brave. And she is a trailblazer in so many ways uh, already. And Mm -hmm. she's such a role model that um, now it's in front of the younger generation who is watching Mm -hmm. her and saying, it's okay to take care of myself, which I think you and I may not have come up in that um, no. that type of work environment. No, um, it's, it's very much talked about with younger generations. I mean, it is, it's talked about openly. Yes. Um, there's a lot more uh, awareness around uh, mental health, around things related to just society in general and the environment and everything else with younger generations. They're much more attuned. I think they're very evolved. Yes. And I agree. Evolutionary thing happening there that is just so impressive. The people in my life that I engage with that are in that age range blow me away. Yes, and and as a Gen Xer, um, you know, we kind of have a little bit of a nihilistic view uh, on things. I think just because of our, uh, just the way we grew up. Mm -hmm. But um, a lot of folks are really the millennials and other generations. That everyone finds it very challenging to work with them. I personally think they are creative and inspired and um, healthy, mentally healthy in a lot of ways, or if nothing else, as you said, attuned and, and to themselves. Yes. yes. And consistently desiring of being right by other human beings, which is very different than our Western society has typically been. Yes, and that is such a that's such a great thing to see coming forward. Uh, as a yogi, I see it in my classes when I'm teaching, and they really embrace that uh, yoga lifestyle and thought process. And I'm really in the mindfulness and the gratefulness, and yeah. I really I really love that about that generation. Um, but I do see that, or I do have conversations with individuals who are in the uh, gen, the millennials, Gen Ys, and a few of the Gen Zs that are just starting to come into the workplace, um, they're really stressed out by the way that we work and the way that we drive our, our employees to that next level of excellence. Um, what do you think from a business perspective coming back from the pandemic, people yeah. back in the workplace. What are some things that organizations can do or should be doing? I know some of them are starting to um, get mental health apps, uh, enterprise licensing for some of the mental health apps, and mm-hmm. they're expanding on some of their uh, mental health offerings um, 
some are even adding mental health days. Uh, yeah. what, what should they be doing? It, I'm going to go back to how I started this. It's great to have mental health apps. It's great to have mental health support. It's great to do all the accoutrements that look right and help your employees. But if you're not being conscious from within the organization about your communication, about how you listen, about how you respond to human beings one-on-one, then you're still going to run into that same problem. So it really does come back to, and that's why I've offered and been very successful offering my trauma intelligence training for organizations you know, um, for several of them and more coming that, you know, they're finding that they can be thinking they're doing all the right things. But if you're not asking what people need, if you're not listening to what they say, if you're not communicating with everyone in a way that makes sense, then you're not going to achieve not only trauma intelligence, but you're not going to achieve effective productivity and you're not going to achieve buy-in from people who want to stay for a long time. These younger generations, they won't stay. They will not stay at an organization or a facility or a place that is not ethically sound. They don't care how much money they make. And that's the truth, which is great, which is going to erect change. But I think it's amazing to offer all these things. But what are you doing within? How are you doing internal reconnaissance of your emotional behaviors? How are you responding to people Are you just giving them things? Are you asking them what they want? You know, one of the things with trauma is that we don't ask. We just assume. We don't, you know, how much am I looking? If I'm a CEO or if I'm a vice president or if I'm a UX manager or if I'm a person running a homeless rehoming organization, I've worked with several of those now with my training. Do I think I'm doing the right thing or am I paying attention to see if I'm doing the right thing? Yes. So yes. often we want to do the right thing, but we forget to pay attention to what people are wanting and needing. I think that's the most important way to be effective. Doesn't it also um, take a two-way responsibility? Though, um, if the employer is saying, what do you want? The employee has to say, this is what I really want and not say. And I think uh, Simon uh, Sinek also talked about this. Don't say you want beanbag chairs and uh, snacks in the break room. As an employee, you have to say, I need better mental health care. I need this. I need a flexible work schedule or whatever it happens to be. Here are the things that are creating stress. Or, uh, I, need a, for a man- or I need a manager that doesn't yell at me. Or I need an environment yes. where I know what to expect on 80% of occasions. Or I need to know that if someone is abusive in the workplace, they're going to be terminated or they're going to be required to get mental health support so that they can change their behavior. You know, so it's not just I need. It's also what do we need as a team? So the other thing that I would add to that is, are you having regular team meetings where people talk about how they're feeling coming back from the pandemic? I created a sheet uh, for an organization uh, that I worked with. Actually, it was Google, where it was like a reintegration after the pandemic. Right. It's like, Mm -hmm. don't assume that you know the people that you worked for or worked with are the same as when they left. Don't assume. Get to know them again. Are you taking care of your own mental health first, you know, right? Right. Are you giving opportunities for people to express how they feel? Not all the time, not every day, but coming back, right? 
Are you adjusting expectations to a new world or are you just expecting people to come back? I I have a couple of clients that are working for organizations that are doing really cool things. Like they're, I think a lot of organizations are doing this. They're letting people like build up to going back full time, Mm -hmm. which I think Mm -hmm. is brilliant. Um, And again, to remember all these things you're doing, you're not a mental health facility unless you are, but a lot of mental health facilities fail at taking care of their own employees big time. But, you know, most organizations are not mental health facilities. So we're not asking, or I'm not saying you should do that. I'm saying if you want a productive environment, if that's your outcome, that's your goal, then you have to meet people's needs where they are, or they're not going to be productive. They're going to be divisive. They're going to be gossiping. They're going to be showing up late. They're going to be acting out. They're going to be less focused because they're stressed or they're unhappy or they're not being um, addressed in the way that they need to be. So it's kind of like conducting an orchestra. You have to be able to to understand all the instruments and all those things and make it sort of a unified sound. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then for those individuals, so, you know, we we're hearing through social media and we're hearing through the um, the research and the data mm-hmm. because um, I did a lot of research for a presentation I'm doing next week that is, you know, a lot of people are saying, this is not what I want to do anymore. So they've had the great resignation on their minds, so to speak. And what would you say to the people that are trying to make those shifts into those maybe new careers, or they've had these epiphanies while they were at home. Um, Could that be a trauma response or is it truly a potential change that they need to make? I can't. That's a kind of a lot. That's a lot. No, I think that only an individual can answer that for themselves. I would say, ask the two safest people in your life what they think. But if you have been inspired towards change, Mm -hmm. you're never going to make the wrong decision because if it's not the path for you, you'll be ushered back somehow by the universe to the other path, right? Like, I, you know, if you're, and the other thing to ask yourself is if that is coming from a place of authentic desire Mm -hmm. for helping, for making a difference, then where can you possibly go wrong? You know, I think that, you know, I think this time has given people the opportunity to realize life is finite. We're very limited in how much time we have. If you want to do something and it's not going to hurt anyone in your life and you have buy in from your family that is dependent on you financially, then why can't you do the things? Yes. You know, And even if it means something that you never saw yourself doing or taking a pay cut or whatever that is. And again, when we talk about this, we're talking about a privileged set of people. You know, we have a whole population in our country, in this world, a vast population doesn't have all these choices. Right. And so that's important to acknowledge and important to remember that, you know, if you're lucky enough to have the choice to make a change, you should also be grateful for that. Absolutely. And I agree with that because there are a lot of people who did not have that opportunity to even work from home during this pandemic. Absolutely. They were essential workers and they're going to need our support as well um, after post pandemic or even now. Um, Are there some other things that you want to talk about during our last 10 minutes? Is there 10 or 12 
minutes. Is there something that you want to talk about that really is inspired and is on your heart that you want everyone like Blythe's words, words of wisdom or My words of wisdom or, or, or whatever yeah, you like I've to got call some, them. You better get it together because I mean, and this is me coming off of a death midwife training, you know, and I will, I will share this with you because I think it's important. And I think her name needs to be said as well. The book started with my sister dying and I literally finished the last chapter uh, right after my best friend died a few months ago. And uh, she wanted to be a writer. It was her dream. And she was an amazing writer and she didn't get to do the book. You know, you get to decide. It doesn't matter who you are, what your job is, where you live. If you have money or you don't, you can be a safe, kind person that makes a difference in other people's lives. There is myriad, There are myriad ways to make a difference. Doesn't matter who you are. If you come across other human beings ever in any way, shape or form, you can be a person who is safe. You can be a person who is a beacon in someone's life and your life has a purpose. But don't keep sitting around hoping for some sign. It's not going to happen. You just got to do it. Take the leap. Truly, take the leap, you know, and remember that we are not promised anything. We're not promised anything tomorrow or anything at all. But if you want your life to have purpose, you can do that in a corporation. You can do it at a gas station. You can do it at a school. You can do it as a gardener. You can do it if you're creating beauty and you're creating kindness and you're doing your very best to heal yourself. And I truly believe, and I'll say this, I'll say this, healing yourself is a collective act and it's a revolutionary act. Because the better you are, the more you have to give. The kinder you are, the more patient you are, the more forgiving you are, the more you're going to make a difference on this planet. And I hope people really know this. This book is literally, it's it's reader-friendly. It's not cerebral. It's meant for anyone from a group of high school students who need to be educated on trauma, which I would highly recommend teachers considering this as required reading for like a senior class. It could be used in college classes. It can be used in graduate level classes. It can be used in community organizations and it can be read by someone on a beach who just wants to be a better person. You know, sometimes what keeps us from being a person who does the right thing is just information. As I mentioned in the beginning, I'm also a grief recovery method specialist. I'm a huge believer in that method. Grief and trauma are often commingled. Mm-hmm. So many of us say silly things to people who are traumatized and who are grieving. It's not because we don't care. It's because we don't know. So this book is going to also teach you how to respond and ways to respond that are effective and get both parties what they want and need. So. So is the book something that say, and I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, so someone like myself in my spark curiosity discussion group on Wednesday nights, I could take it in and say, this is our book club thing for the next, <laughs> and we're going to spend one, one week, uh, one week out of the month talking about trauma intelligence, and then we could work through it. And I, as a lay person would be able to quote unquote, teach it. Um, or at least have a discussion, a productive discussion using this book. That would now you have to do it. You know, I know I do. do. They're all listening right now. <laughs> that would be so like, they know. 
<laughs> that would be such an honor and a privilege. And even if you do that, then I will do a, a you know, I'll do a cameo at one of your meetings. Answer any <laughs> questions people have. The other thing I want to say about the book is that I mentioned five types of trauma. I also go, go on at the end of the book to mention five other types of trauma. Trauma can be, it, it, it is endless. I mean, you know, and it's nuanced and it's situational and it's environmental and it's socioeconomic and it's all kinds of things. But I really want to say to people too, if you're hurting, if you're in pain, I really do believe that nobody's story is too painful to be heard or healed, even yours. I've never seen anyone who has a desire to change who is willing to be in pain and uncomfortable for a finite period of time, not transform. Yes. And I would agree. I would agree. Never. And it doesn't matter, you know, intellect is not part of it. It's a, it's a heart desire to take feedback and to show up and to not only talk about what's going on, but do the intrinsic work uh, so that you can be, better for yourself and and more importantly for yourself and secondly to those that you love and care about yes and i think that's so important right now because with the the loss we've had collectively and then individual losses um you may not have heard of it you may not have heard of this person's loss you may not have known that that person that you're talking to has you know maybe they had a recent loss and it could be the person in the grocery store and yeah. it could be um, anything that we have, you know, anyone that you encounter on a daily basis. So um, I would encourage everyone to uh, order your book. You're going through pre-orders now. Is that correct? Or That's right. Can I send you the link for the pre-order sign up? Yes. And I so I will post the pre-order link on drmelissalstrasser.com on the uh, blog area and uh, with a little summary of the book. So then you can also contact Blythe as well. So her social media is on the voiceamerica.com um, panelist or bio that I posted up earlier this week or late last week. Thank and you. Uh, yeah, no problem. And if you're if you're an individual who's looking for trauma, grief, uh, recovery, addiction coaching, you can message me there. And if you're an organization who's interested in trauma intelligence training, um, uh, then you can contact me there, and everybody gets a, a consult. And uh, if it's a good fit, we'll figure out how it works, and we'll move forward from there. Awesome. Is there anything else that you would like to share, Blythe? I mean, would you like to go ahead and give your social media? links sure. so, so your instagram. In instagram is blythe landry coach and facebook is blythe landry i'm in albuquerque there are two blythe landry so i'm the one in albuquerque um and the other piece of that is my website is blythelandry.com so you can reach me at any of those places and i'd be honored to connect with you and i think you and i were talking Hopefully we're going to find quite a few people with questions and input and I'd love feedback. So if we get all that together, you and I can definitely plan to hop on a Facebook live and uh, have people join us there. And Perfect. I love, love, love your idea about book club. So I'm going to put that out there. If you're interested in using my book for a book club, you can contact me about that and I'll give you Fantastic. A, a wholesale order for your group. Oh, that's awesome. 
And um, also, if you want to send questions in, you can send questions to counterbalancecoach at gmail.com or click the email link uh, or send them to Blythe if you would like to. And then her and I will uh, collaborate and figure out when we can have um, either a Facebook Live or an Instagram Live or something else. And so there's, we, I just want to end with a couple couple words of you know advice. Absolutely, it's never too early after a trauma in an office space or a family to ask for help. And if you're willing to do the deep work, it's also never too late. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Blythe, for coming on the show and sharing all of your words of wisdom. Uh, I know that you have impacted my life significantly with your trauma intelligence training and five pillars uh, of resilience, which actually hang up in my office. I have them written on a whiteboard in my office. And um, I really enjoy having you in my life as a friend and colleague. So, I feel the same way. It's such an honor and a privilege. I'm so proud of you for this show. I can't wait to see where it goes. I'm going to share it and hopefully lots of people will listen to your awesome wisdom and your awesome ideas. So it's very wonderful. Cool. Thank you so much, Blythe. And, and um, I hope to hear, I hope everyone will join us again next week for Counterbalance Conversations. Keep an eye on the Variety Channel for other great shows and for the posting of the next topic for next week. Awesome. Thank you for listening to Counterbalance Conversations. Be sure to join your host, Dr. Melissa L. Strasser, for another inspiring program next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next program, do something that stands out this week. Make a change. Be the counterbalance. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit VoiceAmerica.com. the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network it's staff and management have you become a member yet sign up now to become a member of voice america it's always free and easy plus you get to take advantage of some great member benefits get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels keep track of your favorite episodes shows and hosts in your own customizable library 